uh, the, the role of the parent, they've really got to be intentional with their kids. The parents are really the first responders. I mean, they're the ones that God has made, you know, responsible for raising their children. He didn't give that duty first to the church. The parents are responsible for their children's spiritual condition. And, you know, if they're not walking with the Lord themselves, Mm -hmm. they're not going to be able to demonstrate that to their kids. When a parent discovers that their child has been involved in sexual sin, a whirlwind of questions and emotions makes it really difficult to think clearly and respond correctly. We've had many parents ask us, what can I do to help my child through this? But this question begs a deeper one. What is the role of a parent? Today we sit down with Mark Shaw, biblical counselor and parent of four, to look at what God's Word says about a parent's role. Plus, what things help them fulfill this role? What things hinder it? How involved should a parent be when it comes to their child's activities and friends? Will being too protective set the child up for failure? And how should a parent handle the confession of sin? Thanks for joining us for the second episode of Four Parents, This is Purity for Life. So, Mark, you've been a biblical counselor for 20 years, and I'm sure in that span of time, you have had to help parents with issues that they're dealing with in their kids' lives, which means that you have to tackle, you know, you have to help them to fulfill their God-given role. But I'm, I'm wondering how many parents even have a really clear understanding of the role that they're supposed to have in their children's lives. So if you were talking to a parent that didn't know that at all, what would you say? Yeah, the first thing I think you'd you'd want to make clear to them is that the parents are really the first responders. I mean, they're the they're the ones that God has made, you know, responsible for raising their children. He didn't give that duty first to the church. Now, the church can come in and help, but the parents are responsible for their children's spiritual condition. And you Mm -hmm. see that in the Shema in Deuteronomy 6. Ephesians 6, 4 is another place where you see that in Scripture that fathers do not provoke your children, you know, Mm -hmm. um, but raise them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Parents often think, well, the school's going to teach my child the church is going to teach my child, you know, mm-hmm. the school with education, the church with, you know, spirituality. But really, they're both meant to be supplemental. Mm. You know, the parents really are responsible for the education of their children and the spiritual growth of their children. So I think parents have to first start out and say, I need to be actively engaged, involved in what's going on in my kids' lives because I'm responsible before God for that. We've had multiple conversations with parents before uh, this interview, just in preparing for this whole series, and the thing that has really struck me is that if a parent is really going to raise their children well, it requires 
real effort, real time, real dedication. This can't be like, when I get to it, I'll help my kid out. That's right. So what um, what do you think are some of the main hindrances then for a parent to take this role? Yeah, you know, it's sad to me how many parents just think about all I am is the chauffeur. Mm. I, you know, they'll drop their, you know, laundry off at the at the laundromat. They'll drop their kids off at soccer. They'll do this, do that. They they kind of think of themselves as just I'm here to be a friend or support my kids and that kind of thing. And so uh, the the role of the parent, they've really got to be intentional with their kids. And, you know, if they're not walking with the Lord themselves, mm-hmm. they're not going to be able to, to demonstrate that to their kids. You know, I had a mom one time, she had her daughter involved in seven different extracurricular activities, dance and soccer. And I mean, you just name them. And, wow. and I just thought, and there was something every day and sometimes two things on a mm. couple of days. I mean, it had to be uh, through the week. And so she just had this kid involved in so much and kept her so busy, but really never knew the kid. And so I think some parents are busy, but not busy in the right ways where they just slow down and and try to even build a family togetherness and mm. and relationship. Think about God. You know, one of my favorite names for God is Emmanuel, God with us, and how God sent his son to come down to be with us, you know, mm-hmm. in that relationship. So I think parents in like manner have to go into the child's world. Now the child is underneath the parent's authority and in the parent's world. But, you know, you think about God, he condescended, he came to be with us and relationally engage with us. So I try to help parents to do that with their kids, get involved in their lives, in the details. Um, and I think on the other extreme, some parents are too controlling. And this, we homeschooled, so I can say this to the other homeschoolers because I'm, I'm one as well. But as homeschoolers, you can get a little defensive and think, okay, I can't let my kid be around anybody else. I got to shield them from all things. And so you can go too far to the extreme that direction. So I think, you know, parents have to guard their kids, obviously, who they're allowing them to be taught by and influenced by and that kind of thing. But there's an extremist view that I think really isn't realistic. Mm. Kids are going to be influenced and see things. Yeah. But we can um, be intentional in both and, and not go to either extreme where we're just totally absent or totally controlling and, you know, in every detail. I heard you talking earlier about being accountable to God, which is something that I know for me growing up and even before I came to Pure Life, I never thought about being accountable to God. Yeah. That I would have to stand before him and answer for the way that I lived. When you have been counseling parents or interacting with parents, do you find that there's a lack of that knowledge or that we've just so embraced the culture's values that we're trying to make them successful in the world, but not successful in the kingdom. Yeah, yeah, with the emphasis on school and education and all of that. You know, I used to tell my kids, and I don't know, I'm, <laughs> you, I'm always careful 
because I'm not a perfect parent and I've done more <laughs> wrong than right. But this is probably one thing I think that I that we did right was we used to tell our kids, I don't really care about your grades. I mean, mm. you know, I want you to do well. Uh, yeah. But what I cared about with them was um, that they would know the Lord, that they would spend time in the Word, that they would cultivate their own relationship with the Lord. And that, to me, was the the most important thing. Now, I, obviously, I want them to do well in school, but I wanted to make sure the priority was right. Yeah. You can't make your kid mm-hmm. a Christian, but you can certainly model. Mm-hmm. You can, and if you don't have a relationship with the Lord yourself, you, you can't model this. But if you show them, this is how I relate to God, and you model that before them, and you, you know, help them to see that we're trusting God uh, with this, I, I think kids will pick up on that. And maybe they don't come to Christ right away. You know, at 13 when we want them to, or 18 or whatever age, I can't save them. The Holy Spirit has to do that. Yeah, Um, So there's no, I don't think there's any time frame, but but raising kids up with priorities, you know, I think that's that's the key for parents. Yeah. Well, and you've said this all along, and this is where I was intending to go with with the next question is that it's I mean it's one of the mantras in biblical counseling you can't lead anyone further than you yourself have gone yeah so if a if a parent is compromised spiritually yeah. then the children see that and mm-hmm. I don't know if they consciously imitate it but in some way yeah. we all have this feeling that if you're telling me to do something but you're not doing it why would I listen to you? Right, right. Um, what are, what do you think are some of the big ways that you see a parent compromising that hinders their own children? Yeah, Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do not provoke your children in anger. I didn't say the anger part the last time, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I think parents, and particularly this is fathers in Ephesians 6, 4, they provoke their kids to anger in two ways. One, by being too hard on them. The other, by neglect and not being Mm. involved in their lives. So Mm. when I sit down with kids for counseling or parents and kids, the the parents who are, they're harsh, uh, that they're loud, angry, you know, and they say, hey, we're going to to church on Sunday, but then they live in a way that that just isn't very gracious and winsome and loving, you know, and very Christian. yeah. And, and, you know, you see this with a a dad who's immersed in pornography. He starts to view other people as objects. Mm. And so even his kids then become objects. Rather than human beings with souls, he's starting to view people as, just like he does the women on the the screen, you exist for my pleasure. Mm. You, you know, you're just an object or a means for me to get what I want in life, the pleasure I want. And so he starts to see his kids, maybe even his wife, in that way. Same would be true for women who are immersed in pornography. But mm-hmm. the, um, the, I, I think it translates into other relationships. I think that's the kind of the hidden danger. I remember counseling a guy years ago, and everyone around him um, just couldn't stand him. And it wasn't that he wasn't, you know, was overly loud and angry and abusive, but he just saw people as objects and yeah. everyone was there for his benefit. And so I think a compromised parent 
can get into that mindset. Their kids exist for their pleasure. Mm. And any parent can do that. I mean, mm. the the lady I told you about who took her daughter seven extracurricular activities after school. I mean, really, she was living her life through her daughter. Mm. So it was like, that's where her pleasure and her her daughter was a star, you know, soccer player. So mm-hmm. she felt like she was a successful, you know, successful in the world's eyes. Mm. Um, if there was a parent who they they can understand as you're talking, they can they can realize that what really does matter to them is that their children are successful in the world. How would you counteract that? Yeah. So I try to identify the lies. What cultural lies are the parents believing? And then where in Scripture can I show them that the Bible teaches the opposite of what they're believing? You have to get them in the Word to understand the biblical belief system, what okay. Jesus taught wasn't worldly success. And and so those kinds of things, I mean, helping them to see uh, that really identity comes from being in Christ, knowing Christ, nothing else matters. You can mm. be a star soccer player, but you're still bound for hell. What we're seeing with kids and people today, their mm-hmm. identity is not secure because it's not anchored in the person of Christ. We have really lost <clears throat> that perspective in America, that there are things that are eternally significant and there are things which are temporally yep. significant. Yeah. And if we don't have that perspective, the temporal things become so huge. And it's like Jesus said, I mean, how many people even take this really seriously? You can gain the whole world and you can lose your soul. Yeah. Just looking at the Shema, you know, in Deuteronomy 6, it's verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise, you shall bind them as a ha- as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gate. So in other words, there's never a moment for a parent to take off and just say, I'm just not going to try or care about that. I mean, parents have to be intentional to do this kind of thing. Um, you know, and, and like you said, um, the the spiritual priority has kind of been pushed back. That That's probably the saddest thing about the pandemic, in, from my point of view, is people I've just kind of seen churches. Well, that's you know, church is just one thing that I do, and so they mm. they quit going. They're still not coming back to church. And I understand some people, you know, are, are still afraid of of this virus and and so forth. But uh, you know, it's just like church was just another thing, mm. and it was kind of like, man, now I get my Sundays back, you know. And so the spiritual priority, like what you just said. People don't don't uh, prioritize spiritual things. They'll they'll move their families for a job, mm. you know, for more money and, and an advancement in career, but they won't move their family to a better church, you know, or even consider those things where they can get teaching and, and that. And so I think culturally the emphasis is just, you know, church is okay. It's something we do and it's important, but it's not the most important thing and making mm. a disciples is where it's at. Yeah. Um, let's shift gears and let's talk about something that you touched on earlier, the super permissive approach versus the really restrictive approach. 
because um, if a parent does know that there are life-dominating sins that their child needs to be protected from, and they're asking, well, what role should I take? I mean, do I, am I involved in every single decision the child should make, and do I just clamp down on everything that they do? How would you guide yeah. a parent through those decisions? Yeah, the, uh, it's, it's not easy in this world. I think just even as homeschoolers, so <laughs> I'm not trying to pick on homeschoolers because I am one, you know, that's that's why I guess I can. <laughs> but I think sometimes they just think that their kids are sheltered when they're really not, you know. And so they're naively thinking we're doing all these things to keep bad influences away from our kids. But kids are vaping and doing all kinds of stuff that parents have no idea about. Okay. You know, they're sharing vapes. And, and I hear about it in counseling with homeschool families, you know, and, and then the other side is just the permissive parent that kind of neglects this duty altogether and, and doesn't, isn't forward enough on choosing the friends of, uh -huh. of their kids. Uh -huh. uh, I think as a parent, we should do that for our kids. We have more discernment than our kids. I mean, they're, they're foolish in, in a lot of ways and inexperienced and, yeah. and beautiful, cute. I get all that. But, right, they're, right. you know, as a parent, you can choose your kid's friends and you can say, you know, I love for you to spend time with so-and-so, but with this other kid, I want you to kind of keep your distance. You know, mm. don't share a lot. You can have them over to the house potentially, but uh, don't, you know, don't share your heart. I, I mean, that's kind of how I would instruct my kids is, Certain kids in their lives were ones that, hey, you can share things and get closer to this kid. This other one I would kind of treat as more of an acquaintance, mm -hmm. you know, and, mm -hmm. and keep distance. And so we did that, you know, in our own home. But I, I, I think parents don't realize the authority that's been given them yeah. uh, by God to make those decisions and do those things. And a lot of parents are afraid of the kids not wanting them or turning them away from God. And I get that, but, um, you know, your kids, if they're unbelievers, are as far away from God as they'll ever be as mm -hmm. unbelievers. And so our job is not to, we're not running for president or a popularity contest. We're trying to instill in them and, and help them to be around other people. I mean, you know, the company you keep does impact you and sure. your decision making. We see that all the time. So. Uh, helping them to think through those things. And that's not to say we can't evangelize kids that are unbelievers. So, you know, there's a difference in letting my kid go over to someone's house versus having that kid over to our house mm. where we can be more influential sure. over that kid. You don't know what they're going to do at the other person's house. Um, but if it was a good Christian family and I could could trust the parents, I would do that. And we had some friends who they sent their daughter, I think it was either one or two, they had two girls, but they sent them to our house to play with our girls. And their rule was no TV, mm. no TV at someone else's house. Mm. And I think parents right now listening could do this. Yeah, You tell your kids, if you go to someone's house, you don't watch any TV, no screens, no yeah. you know, phones, computers, anything. And you just go over there and you play with dolls or 
toys or outside or, you know, whatever. At first you're like, wow, that's kind of a an oppressive rule. But then I started thinking, well, you know what? Everybody has different uh, levels of, uh, you know, permissibility where they allow certain things to be watched. So mm-hmm. I thought, wow, that's a really wise, it's, it's very radical, but you look at scripture and there are absolutes, there are things that God says. And so um, implementing that kind of thing, the parents listening could can do that one thing. And then that just takes away lots of opportunities, lots of um, conflict that could arise and, and it just simplifies it. I've heard some parents say something like, you know, if I'm too careful, then my kid isn't going to be prepared for life in the real world. What's your take on that? Does that seem like a genuine concern or does it seem like an excuse or? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're making every little decision for your child, then they're not going to be prepared for the world because, you know, as adults, we don't have people sure. making decisions for yeah. us. So you want them to learn that. And it's gradual. I mean, you 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 mm. don't give them big decisions. You give them little decisions and help cultivate that. Yeah. And then you tell them, as you make wise decisions, mommy or daddy, we can allow you to make more decisions. We can give you yeah, more right. freedom as you show yourself faithful. Personally, I would rather be a little more restrictive, and I would encourage parents that way than permissive okay. in letting kids do anything. Okay, I think restrictions are good, and I think there's this idea that anything restrictive is oh, bad. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, but man, I need restrictions. I don't like the word no, but I need the word no. Yeah. You know? But part of what you said too, I thought that was really interesting was that it's not just that you're laying down the rules, but you're explaining the wisdom behind it. Yeah. Which just again, that just takes time <clears throat> yeah. and and devotion. Yeah, that's right. To raising them in a godly way. That's right. Yeah. You I think kids want to know why, you know, what's the motivation behind it. And when a parent can do that, it's great. They don't always have to do it. I mean, sometimes sure. it's just, I'm the boss, applesauce, and, and you know, <laughs> what dad says goes. And, yeah. and sometimes, like even recently with one of mine, I said, you know, I, I was just kind of like they were resistant about something. And I said, do I want good for you? You know, and they were mm-hmm. like, yeah. I, I said, have, have I shown you anything different than why don't you – you trust me on this, and I can't give you all the reasons, but you know I want good for you. And I yeah. think kids need to be reminded that parents are their biggest fans, their biggest cheerleaders. They want good for them. Mm-hmm. And that word no is a good word, mm. you know, yeah. From a, especially from a parent who loves you, just like God doesn't give us everything we oh, yeah. want. And he knows best, you know. Yeah. So, In a perfect world, a parent would be able to completely eliminate any possibility that their child would be exposed to pornography or um, Mm. some other kind of of sexual sin. But unfortunately, in in our world, that's just not possible. The statistics tell us it's going to happen at some point. If a child were to come and say, I saw something or I did something, you know, they're just totally weighed down with shame and guilt. Mm -hmm. Um, how should a parent handle that first confession? Yeah, that's, um, I mean, it's this has been my experience. 
but most parents typically don't handle it well. Mm. And it's sho- it can be shocking. It can be devastating. Mm. It can be a lot of emotions. But like you said, the reality is, I mean, it used to be difficult to find a pornographic magazine. You had to work hard to do that. And nowadays it's just I mean, it's on a can of green beans. There's pornographic Mm. issues everywhere, you know. Uh, It's (laughs) accessible. So the first thing, you know, in the home and even in the church, we don't need to be so weird about sex, you know, Mm. and and make it this odd topic that we shouldn't talk about. I mean, if we're not talking about it in the church, we know the world's talking about it in all kinds of ways. I mean, beer commercials and all that. Yeah. It's going to happen. We need to be open and talk about it and talk about the, the God's designed our bodies to desire sex and pleasure and that it's good mm. within his bounds and his his mm. context. And so outside of that is where the guilt and the shame and those things enter in. And so the kid may be feeling those things and they usually the kid doesn't come forward. I mean, yeah. Yeah, the right. parents catch them or whatever. Okay, and so the reaction has to be one of uh, love and acceptance, transparency, that kind of thing. But but discipline, not punishment, but mm. discipline. And hey, w- let's let's tackle this together. Let's work on this together. And I see it as that, like the parent comes in, enters into the problem with the kid. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm willing to get in and get involved and help you. Kids are afraid they're going to get restricted from their phone, from all of that. And there may be some restrictions that come. But if a parent can talk about it in a disciplined way, not a punishment way. Okay. You know, I think that's where you lose a kid is when you come down hard on them in punishment. And then again, the why, the motivation. Yeah. You know, why we do this is God has a better way in his word. And I want to help you to for that. And so I think parents can help their kids to say, you know, this is something we're going to save. It's special. It's sacred. And we're going to save it for this spouse that God is going to give you so that you and the spouse can enjoy this together. And it's just yours exclusively. No one else has to be involved in it. So I think that's a, that's, you know, that's where parents can go with that, but, but not being so shocked and devastated. Oh my goodness, because it's really, it's it's everywhere. Like I said, yeah. on a can of green beans. That's I'm obviously a joke, but <laughs> I hope. But every commercial, everything, it's just sex, sex, sex. Yeah, and we yeah, have yeah. a highly sexualized culture that yeah. kids are going to be influenced by that. They're just going to be. Let's talk about maybe some resources for parents. I mean, we've been doing this for 30 plus years as far as helping people with sexual sin, but our target audience is really... Um, 18, probably, I mean, upwards of sure. 60, 70. So we don't have many resources for teens. So if you had a parent that the kid is still in um, the beginning stages yeah, and he he hasn't gone way off the deep end, what kinds of resources would you give to the parent? The parent, I would give them... Uh, Dr. Robert Smith, Bob Smith, uh, has a little booklet on seven principles from Scripture. And um, because, frankly, they haven't 
probably been taught a lot of yeah. biblical truth on, in this issue. So they're more culturally aware and, and live in that realm than they do the, the biblical realm. I think about um, books like Shepherding a Child's Heart. Uh, I wrote a book, Addiction Proof Parenting. The sex or cocaine or whatever that that is, the pleasure is, that's just a tool. That's a tool that we use to get what we want. Mm, so the mm. problem is in my heart's desire mm. for that thing. That's that's the issue. So I think with parents, I try to help them to cultivate the heart and to help their kids. And I have a little booklet that I love. It's Understanding Temptation, mm. the War Within Your Heart. And I look at three, basically three things uh, to do, to have, and to be that come from First uh, John 2, verses 15 through 17, where it says, talks about the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. Mm. And I think you can shuck every single sin, every tool, everything down into these three desires in the heart. It's a powerful look at, wow, what, what drives my heart? Mm-hmm. What motivates me? And it's all selfishness. It's all pride. It's all rooted in, yeah. in that. But the heart motive, the desire, that's where parents, where I want them to go with their kids, is okay. identifying that and helping their kids. Um, okay, so you mentioned Shepherding Your Child's Heart. That's by Paul Tripp, yeah. right? Uh-huh. And you wrote a book, Addiction Proof Parenting. Uh-huh. What was the book by Bob Smith? Uh, he wrote one, I think it's called The Seven, Seven, Biblical, Seven Biblical Principles on Sex, something like that. Uh, and when good kids make bad choices, I think is the name of a book that Jim Neuheiser wrote that was encouraging. It's hard as a parent; you want your kids to be perfect, and they blow it, and so then you start being concerned about your own identity. You know, you know, your identity's got to be in Christ, no matter how your kids turn out. Yeah, and um, and then finally, free is one by Heath Lambert. Yes, okay, that's more to the person who's struggling. Yeah, but I think that helps parents to understand you know, biblical principles. I think uh, The Age of Opportunity is a good book that Tripp wrote about teenagers and taking opportunities. And so mm. if parents will take that, you know, see this discovery of my child has, you know, been abused or exposed to sex or pornography, whatever it is, as an opportunity to point their hearts toward Christ rather than toward fixing it with a video game or some other oh, yeah. thing. But let's as long as I Christ. can get them to stop, I don't yeah. really care how they stop. Yeah, right. yeah. That's um, that's the point. All right, so let's we'll, we'll wrap this up. And I just want to, I want you to have a chance to talk to a parent who the kid honestly is already a long ways down the wrong road. Yeah. Um, what would you... What would you say to a parent who's in that situation? Um, for, for a young person, I think parents have, are going to have to be radical. It's radical amputation. And they're going to have to restrict, take the phone away, um, restrict time, uh, really evaluate. They're going to have to be a lot of changes that have to take place. And it's the whole family. You know, maybe you cut cable TV, dish, whatever, you know, whatever you have, 
Maybe you cut that out, be you know, or put passwords on things that are PG-13 or whatever. So parents are going to have to get involved and maybe make some sacrifices themselves as they're helping their kids and create a Pure Life Ministries at home type of environment to help their kids to get back focused on Christ. It's really tough with kids that are rebellious. And I do know of a program, Salem for Youth in Illinois. So there's some residential resources. I have those listed on our website, theaddictionconnection.org. Um, and, and then, you know, the books and that kind of thing, we're ramping up some of that, putting that on there. Okay. Um, for people to, to go to our website. We want it to be a helpful resource to people. If you're interested, we've put together a list of resources and linked them in the notes for today's show. So just go to purityforlife.com and look for episode number 410. Recently, a number of us from Pure Life ministered at a gathering for young people. And afterwards, we spent a couple hours talking with a number of fathers about the difficulties that are facing young people today. And each of these fathers expressed a deep sense of inadequacy over their parenting. The sense that I got was that this feeling of inadequacy often paralyzed them into inaction. Now listen, I'm not a parent, so I can't speak to the specifics that you might be facing, but there are a few things that I do know. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who know that they have nothing. And he said that without him we can do nothing, but that what is impossible with men is possible with God. The Apostle Peter also said that his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And in my own life, when I've been backed up against a wall, when it seems like there's no way out, I've always found that with humble dependence on God, a hunger for his word, and a willingness to learn, there's always a way forward. So if you're in need today, please go to him. That's all for today's episode. Thanks for joining us on Purity for Life. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.